Amen. Thank you for being here this evening. It's good to see you all. Brother Jordan, if you could pull up that psalm that I gave you. And this is the NLT that we're reading tonight, and hopefully you'll see why in a second. It says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. In verse 7, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. I love that line. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. And then the last verse of this psalm says, I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name. But I want to circle back to verse 7. It just says, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness and they will sing with joy about your righteousness. So tonight, instead of all church prayer, which we typically do on first Wednesdays, we're going to have a time of story and song, of faith building and of worship. I stumbled on this verse in Psalm 145 a few weeks ago. It was the week leading up to our Thanksgiving service, and I texted it to my dad um, in anticipation of next year's Thanksgiving service. You know, it's kind of difficult to figure out how to theme holiday services, and it's never really too soon to be thinking about that. We already had a plan in place for our service this past Thanksgiving, and it went great. And thankful for that. But I just sent him this verse thinking about those two elements that are in it, that is story and song. And I thought about the song, Goodness of God, which we've all heard. We sing it here, and I thought we could have a Thanksgiving service and call it the Goodness of God, a day of story and song. It sounds sounds good. It sounds nice. And I got to talking to Brother Tyler about it and about this Wednesday, and we thought, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do it. And so that's what we're going to do tonight, is we're going to have a time of structured testimonies. And this is 
uh, per the permission of our pastor, he said, you know, the only condition I have is just don't make it an open mic night. Otherwise, we might be here a while and, you know, we all get a little loosey-goosey when pastor's not around. Um, but no, it's going to be a great time. And so we've asked seven or so people to share a story tonight. And I told them it could be from 20 years ago or two weeks ago. Just a story of God's goodness in their lives. And I asked the Lord last night, because I don't want to casually replace prayer. I asked the Lord last night what he wanted tonight to be for. And in no primary order, I think tonight, number one, it's about faith building. That these stories that we hear would nourish our faith. Secondly, that it would be about worship. That we would bless the heart of God in telling about the things that he has done in our lives. And then thirdly, and I think this is really important, it would be about preservation. Some of these stories we'll probably have never heard before. And the only way that stories are remembered is if stories are told. And one day these stories, and I talked about it in this psalm, they're going to be retold from generation to generation. It's important that our children, that our youth, hear these stories. Amen. So the first person that's going to come up here, he's playing guitar right now, is Brother Tyler DePriest. And while he's getting his guitar off his shoulder, can we just say a word of prayer over those who are going to be sharing time? Let's get behind them. Let's amen them. Let's not be afraid to get um, in their corner. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to talk about your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your body, the body of believers, Lord, who all have a unique story, Jesus, that come together and form the church. I pray that we would be ministered to horizontally tonight, Lord, by what you have done in us and through us, God. We pray that you are glorified and honored in all things, and we thank you for it. And it's in your wonderful name, Jesus, that we pray. And the church said, amen. You all could be seated. I had a sinister thought to make everybody just stand the whole time, but it's probably, probably not the right move. Um, yeah, Chase and I were talking about this uh, the last couple of weeks, and um, you know what sparked the conversation was 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 talking about testimony services. And I remember growing up, going to my grandma's church, and it seemed like a default Wednesday night, you know, Bible study always turned into a testimony service, which, as Brother Chase alluded to, tend to go on later than an eight nine year old you know thought appropriate for a Wednesday night service, which. To be honest, an eight, nine-year-old probably thinks a five-minute service is adequate. But regardless, I just remember growing up, you know, I can't remember the things that were said, but I can remember the emotions, and I can remember the feeling in the room. I can remember, you know, grown men that I, I didn't really know, but I, I knew of them at churches, at my grandma's church, and I can remember just seeing them weep, talking about the goodness of God. You know, as an eight, nine-year-old, it doesn't really, you know, sink in. You know, you're like, oh, man, this is something, something's going on, but, you know, I'm thinking about something else. It was around that same time um, that I, de- I began to develop um, kind of my heroes in my life. And looking back on it, I was, I was very, very, <laughs> I was very off track with my heroes. But as an eight and nine-year-old, and even later into life, I wanted to be a cowboy so bad. I mean, I wanted to be a cowboy. I just knew that by the time I hit 18, which would have been the mid-2000s, 
I was I was getting on a horse and I was going west and interstates didn't matter nothing mattered I wanted to be a cowboy and lucky for me I had what I thought was a real life cowboy in my life my oldest cousin his name is Zach Clark he was a cowboy he worked at he worked for horse trainers he attempted at riding bulls he just in my mind he could do it all he wore the wranglers he wore the boots he walked the walk he he talked to talk probably better than he walked to walk, but he, he was it. And in my mind, he was, I mean, he was my hero as a young kid. Um, but I knew at a young age, like I knew Zach was wild. I knew my cousin wasn't the role model that I needed. He graduated high school in, in I think 1998 and immediately went right into the Marine Corps. So that was kind of the end of, of my exposure to Zach. His military career took him different places. And I'll circle back to him in just a minute, but right after him was, was my brother. My brother was not a cowboy, but I began to transition out of, you know, my cowboy phase, if you will. And I just wanted to be like my brother. I did everything my brother did. I acted like my brother. I listened to the same music that my brother listened to. I tried to, tried to wear his clothes. My brother was always kind of a husky kid, and I was not, so that never went well. Um, but regardless, I always wanted to be like my brother. But again, I knew from a young age that my brother was not a good role model for me because I knew the things that I was imitating and emulating from him were not right things. My brother, when he graduated high school, bounced back and forth between living for God and not living for God and finally settled on not living for God and went his own way for several years and would kind of bounce back in and out with the family, got married, would kind of, you know, be around church kind of not be around church. All the while, knowing I, I, I had the knowledge but decided not to see it, not to acknowledge it, but all the while he was struggling uh, with an alcohol addiction, a very bad alcohol addiction. So my cowboy hero, Cousin Zach, is, is out of the picture. My brother's out of the picture. So I began to gravitate towards my mom's brother, my uncle, David Clark, to be Zach's father. And he was just, you know, I kind of hit another point in my life right at the end of high school, kind of, you know, early working days for me, that I wanted to be like my uncle. He hired in at a local uh, machine uh, manufacturing company there in the town he lived in. He was the 29th employee hired when they started this company, and he worked there up until about five years ago. And he was just, he was just a steady man. That's what I always told myself. I want to be like him. I want to be a steady man. Got up every day, went to work. But then I also recognized that while he was a steady man, he, he was running. Because in his, in his youth and in his, in his early days, he was a youth pastor, he was a minister, but he chose to run from God. So while I wanted to be as much like my Uncle David as I could be, I also knew in the back of my mind that it's not what I should be. You know, I don't need to be the man that goes to work every day and comes home and then sits in the garage and drinks at night or sits in the barn and drinks at night and lives a very solitude life because of choices that he made. I reference all three of those people because I've got a grandma, I've got a mom, I've got an aunt, I've got tons of people in my family and in my church that I grew up in back home that knew all three of these men, that loved all three of these men in my life and have been praying since before I can even remember for all three of these men individually. My cousin Zach moved back to Tennessee where my family is a few years back. My uncle David 
fell out of a marriage, fell into another marriage, kind of fell in some hard times and everything. My brother hit a point earlier this year where he had to face the choice of getting his act together, kicking his addiction, or losing his family, losing his job. So all this kind of came around, and by the goodness and the grace of God, and I'm declaring that this past Sunday, I'm going to get emotional saying this, this past Sunday I had the opportunity to sit in a worship service and in a church service, and in front of me was my Uncle David, who's been faithfully attending church again since January this year. Two seats over from him was my cousin Zach and his youngest daughter, who's been faithfully attending church since about the same time this year. And beside them and and kind of in front of me was my brother, who's been faithfully attending church. I just want to encourage somebody tonight. This has been, I don't even know how long in the making, at least 30 years. I'll be 35, or I am 35. I just turned 35. It's been at least 30 years in the making. I just want to encourage somebody that while it may seem like it's not happening, just keep laying up. Keep laying up those prayers. Keep putting those prayers up there. Keep putting your faith in God. Love you guys. Just want to share that word. track. Um, So I just wanted to share with you how God has graciously settled me. As many of you know, my husband and I were here at Family Life for several years, and then we moved out of state and later came back. Um, And when I returned back to Family Life, I came on my own. I had uh, recently become a widow. My husband had passed away right at this time of the year. And quite honestly, I very easily could have developed a serious distaste for a season that I had always enjoyed very much up until 2015. But God, you know, he has a way of settling us if we'll allow it. He has a special way of putting us in just the right place when life seems very unsettled. He has given me a wonderful extended family here with all of you precious, precious people. And the shaky ground that I stood on some seven years ago has become a wonderful place of rest for me. So I want to just encourage you, if you are there now, if you are struggling, grieving, over someone or something you may have lost, experiencing any kind of unsettled time in your life, just allow God, through the healing process of time and the encouragement and love and the prayers of this place, we will pray for you, we will pray with you, we will stand by you, we will support you, we will love you. I am a testimony to that. And let God do for you what he has done for me. Let him settle you.
Praise the Lord, church. Happy to be back in church tonight. Um, Chase asked me if I wanted to get up here and share a testimony. I begin to think of a lot of things that God's brought me from, brought me through. And I thought about this past year. We've had, um, my wife and I have had some ups and some downs, but through it all, God's been good to us. Um, these two testimonies that I have all started back September of last year. Um, two prayers that we had. The first one, we were praying for a new job for my wife, one that she could enjoy. She was having a lot of mental stress. Um, it was getting to her. It felt like she was the one taking care of everybody at work, and she wasn't even the manager. So we were praying for a new job for her. And also, more importantly, though, we were praying for a baby. We began to pray. Um, pastor on... I don't remember exactly what service it was in January, but I remember the two uh, vials, I guess, buckets, bowls, whatever they were. We had two on here and two over here. And we all wrote down on those cards a prayer that we had. As the weeks went on, more and more went into it. And we began to pray for those, those needs. And... I was praying for my card, and I was also praying for everyone else's. Um, So January had come and gone. Our prayer wasn't answered yet. February, same situation. Prayer wasn't answered yet. We come to March, and my wife gets a job interview. And she had a couple up until this point. Nothing really stuck out. Wasn't a good fit for either one of us. But this one in particular, she felt good about. The people there loved her, and she loves them. She's doing excellent at her new job, and she loves it. This was, I believe, March, end of March, on a Friday. And the reason why I remember on Friday was because on Saturday, uh, normally, excuse me, I'm struggling with some sinus problems, but on Saturdays is my day to sleep in. If I get up early for work, I'm always up first before she is, so on Saturday it's my turn to sleep in. But on this particular Saturday, she didn't let me sleep in. She comes in to the room, she wakes me up and she said, babe, I got good news. And I'm, you know, waking up, rubbing my eyes, and I'm looking in her hands, and I can tell that she's holding something, but without prescription, I'm blind. So I'm like, I, I don't know what you got. So she said, well, here, here's your glasses. So I take my glasses, I put them on, and she's holding up two pregnancy tests. They were positive. 
And God had answered our prayer. And I found it so overwhelming, even to this day. Two prayers that we had been praying for for at least six months. God answered both of them within less than 24 hours. And uh, Chase, when you asked me about this yesterday, I began to think of how God's timing works. Um, For those of you that don't know, Sarah and I have a baby girl at home. She was delivered on uh, Thursday. It's crazy how God's timing works out. We may not always like God's timing, but his way is perfect. And just like Tyler, like you were saying, your family's been praying for her for 30 years. Ours wasn't as long, but it still got answered. And if you have a prayer, God can still answer your prayer. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Praise the Lord, church. Uh, I, it must have kept the word out that I was going to, or keep it under wraps, because I thought with me uh, speaking tonight, the place would be packed. I don't know, it's just me thinking out loud there. Um, but as, as I was asked uh, to do this, it immediately came to mind um, a poll or a survey that was done years ago. Some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may not. But they asked, um, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of uh, people to rank in their top ten fears of um, what really, you know, rank it one to ten. And uh, it was a university or some group that did this survey. And um, there were several things, obviously, that people talked about. But the top ten... I can't remember all 10, but I'm sure spiders and snakes and bats and clowns. Clowns really freak me out. Um, I'm sure that was on the list as well. Um, But the two that really was in the top five was um, public speaking and um, dying. but they were ranked in which was the most popular, and public speaking was like second, um, and dying was like fourth or fifth. So what that tells me is most people would uh, rather die than to be speaking uh, publicly or in front of a group. Um, but that's, uh, that's not me. Um, I, I remember as, as a young person, it was open mic. Uh, you know, Brother uh, Russell Nelson at Sanders Church. Um, <laughs> you know, who who wants to testify? <laughs> and uh, it was two-hour ordeal. Uh, some people, a couple minutes, and some people seem like a couple hours. Uh, but, um, but as I have an idea of what a testimony or testify is, and... Uh, 
But I wanted to kind of get a perspective of the internet or the dictionary or, uh, uh, you know, a different idea of what it says. So uh, if you would put that up there, this is what it told me, uh, the dictionary, to testify or to give one's testimony to mean to tell a story of how one became a Christian. Uh, commonly, it may refer to specific event in, in a Christian's life in which God did something deemed particular worth sharing. Um, it's kind of what I had in my mind. Um, you know, typically when they usually once a week, maybe once every other week, would have testimony service, I would testify on something that just recently happened to me. Um, most of the time it was something silly, but I'm going to touch real quickly on um, not something that just happened last week, but something that's happened in my life over many years. Um, um, in 2014, um, I moved to Savannah, Georgia, beautiful town. Um, I moved there at the time with um, my wife that uh, was a native of Savannah, Georgia. And uh, so we moved there, and I, uh, when I moved there, um, I, um, I obviously had drifted away from my foundation of uh, how I was raised uh, as far as being in church. Uh, and uh, had a great job, had a great wife, had a great family. Um, and uh, I, I would listen on Sundays. I would listen to uh, Brother Ron Hawkins. Uh, he is a uh, childhood friend of mine, one of my best friends. We grew up together. And he was preaching that Sunday morning that I was listening to him about five, six years ago. And he talked about how God would take us through things that... Uh, would be tough and that would, you know, bring us back to where maybe we needed to be. And he talked about how sometimes that could be losing a job, you know, losing a spouse, uh, several rough, tough valleys. And uh, I remember at that point me um, praying uh, to God, um, I'm good. God, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to lose a job or lose, you know, my wife, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need to go through that valley. You know, I'm all good, you know, and, and uh, I'm a good guy. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's going to be a lot of good people that don't make heaven. And uh, not that I did terrible things, but I wasn't living the, the life that I was raised to live. And uh, um, so I went, I, I, about a year after that, uh, I went through that valley that I prayed I wouldn't go through. <laughs> and um, it uh, devastated me. Um, and it was hard. And, uh, but it brought me home. And, uh, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God will take us through valleys um, that are extremely difficult. But he's there with us. Um, and what I thought would be the worst valley that I could walk through, I looked back on it, and it was the best 
the best valley I could have went through. Um, because now I'm, I'm humble, and I stand here in front of you, and, and uh, I'm still a good guy, but I'm in God's grace, and I'm thankful for that, and uh, I'm grateful for that. And I'm also um, I'm thankful for uh, several things. I'm thankful for my, my grandmother, um, Grace Burrow. She was a pillar of Levin Street um, Church. Uh, her maiden name was Pedro. Um, there's Brother Neil Pedro who goes here. He was, uh, his dad and my grandmother were brother and sister. So uh, we're, we're cousins and we're close. And uh, But my grandma would take me to 11th Street Church um, most every Sunday. We'd spend a night Saturdays and we'd go to 11th Street. And I can remember playing, and, and Brother Tracy Knoll is not that much older than me, but I remember playing underneath the pews with our pastor Boys, Tonka cars, I don't know what it was, but uh, so I, you know, and I always thought he was cool because we had the same name, you know, Tracy. Um, and, but I'm, I'm grateful for my grandmother because she kind of laid the foundation of, of where I uh, needed to, to set my foundation for, for this life of mine. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to quickly name some things that I'm grateful for that God has blessed me with. I'm, I'm grateful and thankful um, for Renee. Uh, she is the mother of my two children. And what a wonderful mother that my kids could have had. And she still is a great mother. So I'm thankful for her. Um, I'm thankful that when I moved back here, I prayed uh, to God to give me um, strength again, and and I did pray for it, for me to find somebody that would be um, stronger than me in faith, and uh, and He blessed me with Susan, and I could not be more grateful and thankful because you talk about squirrels. I got a lot of squirrels in my head. That, I, I can chase, and, and she keeps me grounded, and I'm not perfect, you know, and I still have things that I need to work on, but, and, and you know, we talk about great mothers, um, she, I can see she is a great mother to, to Taylor, and to Jared, and to Madison, and I'm grateful for these three children in my life, that they're not biologically mine, but I'm grateful for them, I'm thankful that I have him in my life, and, um, and uh, I'm thankful that the pastor asked me to be a door greeter. Um, I enjoy it. Um, I want to be the best. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. And, uh, and the one thing that popped to my mind when Tyler talked about 30 years of, of, uh, of uh, you know, it took 30 years. Um, it reminded me of a story, and it's a true story. It's, it's, it's based on, I don't know how many people heard of the Chinese bamboo tree. It's, 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 a, true, it's a true event. Um, so a farmer, a Chinese farmer, will plant a seed, and he will pick the perfect spot. He'll get the perfect soil. He'll fertilize it. He will water it. He'll take care of it, make sure it's got plenty of sunshine. This goes on for a year and he sees no results. He does this the second year. He sees no results. 
The third year, he waters it. He, he fertilizes it. He cares for it. Absolutely no results. This goes on for five years. And in the fifth year of the Chinese bamboo tree, he sees a sprout. And that thing will grow 60, 70 feet in like four or five weeks. So I don't think I could have the patience or, you know, to, to, to deal with something for four or five years, let alone a year. But, but if we keep on our knees and don't let our knees get weary and keep faithful and keep praying, our time, God's timing is not ours. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm grateful that I'm grateful for what little patience I have uh, that he's given me. Um, there's two or three other things, but for time's sake, I'm, the last thing I'm going to thank God for is Reese's Cups. Anybody like Reese's Cups? <laughs> I love Reese's Cups. They're so good on the lips. Oh. <laughs> so, but I'm grateful, too, to, to have the privilege to stand here, and, um, and I'm thankful for everything God's brought me through, and I'm thankful that he has been faithful, faithful to me when I wasn't faithful to him. I'm glad he chased after me. And I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord. Goodness.
double duty tonight. Um, so, uh, you know, we all love to hear the stories about all the wonderful things that God has done, and he's done so, so much for me, and he's been good my whole life. Uh, even when I was a little girl, um, I had really bad asthma, and uh, when I was little, I spent more time in the hospital than I did at home. And so it was, you know, of course, for a mother, it was very hard on my mom. And um, the doctors told her there may come a time she doesn't come out of it. And so I was having a, a really bad asthma attack. And my mom was driving like a maniac to get to the hospital um, because I, I was turning blue and it wasn't a good situation. And she said that God spoke to her and told her, if you will put your faith in me, I will heal your little girl. And my grandma was with her who was not, she believed in God, but not, not like my mom. My mom just believed hands down always that God was going to work everything out. And so she turned the car around, started to drive back home, and my grandma was screaming at her, what are you doing, what are you doing? And she said, God told me that if, if I turn around and I, I put my faith and trust in him, that he was going to heal her. I was two years old, and I've never had another asthma attack since that day. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful. God's been really good to me. Um, and that started as a child and I could, I could go on an hour and a half, but I won't about all the things that God's done. But, um, I did want to bring up, I, I can't, I will have to tell this story the rest of my life. But, um, when I was in labor with Taylor, um, we started having complications and he was too big for me. He was a nine pound, six ounce boy. And, um, he got, he, he couldn't come out and, um, he had no heartbeat. They don't know how long it, they just know they had monitors. There was no heartbeat. Um, so they really, really worked and it was too late for a cesarean. We were too far along. And so they, uh, managed to get him out and he was blue, no breath. He was, he was gone. He was not alive. I don't like to say the word dead, but he was, he was dead. And, um, we had my, back then you could have all kinds of people in the room, but my mom and my, my, uh, my mother-in-law at the time and my sister were in the room. They got in a corner and I mean, they had a prayer meeting back in the corner and I remember when I heard that little cry come out, and it had been a long time that he was out. And um, I just, even then, his, his APGAR score was really low. He had a, a score of two. And it looked like it, it could, he could have problems. Um, but we also had a whole church they had church that night. They got together. We're praying. We were praying over him. And, you know, like I think about the way his mind works now, you know, he's, he, he's going to kill me later, but it's okay. I'm his mom. Um, but like the way his mind works is like the way that God does things. He does it right. 
And I never wanted to stop giving God glory for that day because he really, really did lay, had his hand on Taylor and he has his whole life. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I have children who serve the Lord because they could be doing anything else and they're, they're here. They serve the Lord. But, you know, um, it's always great to tell about the great goodness of God and he's so good. But what about those times when he doesn't bring you out of something? And you live through the disappointments in life. And I can say that, that my kids and I, we've been through church hurt. We've been through friends turning their backs on us. Um, we've had all kinds of things happen in our lives. But each and every time, each and every time, God always did things for the good. Even when things were bad, it turned out for our good. And, you know, there are, are people that, you know, even as a child that I should have been able to depend on that were supposed to be God-filled, Holy Ghost-filled. I learned at an early age you couldn't always depend on man because that's just, we're human. We, we can't depend on man. But I did learn at a very young age that I can always depend on God. And there was a time, it's... I remember laying in my bed because my anxiety was so, so bad. And there was so much going around, uh, going on in my, in my mind and, and in my life at the time. And I remember just praying, God, just let me fall asleep and not wake back up. And I think we're probably at some point in our lives, we've all been there if we're all really honest about it. And I just remember praying that. And I said, I can't, I can't handle one more day of feeling this way. And I remember this warm blanket. It was like this warm blanket that wrapped around me. And I'll never forget that feeling as long as I live because I learned at that moment just how much he loved me. I knew he loved me. I've known it my whole life. But I knew at that moment that he was going to carry me. And he would show me signs along the way, um, un unbelievable signs that God would just show me. Like one person would give me a word and then another person would give me the same exact word. And it just, it's amazing how God works if you really, really hold on to his hand in those hard times. But, you know, instead of getting bitter... And I trust me when I say I've not always had the right heart at times. And I had to battle. But the forgiveness is worth it. The, the letting go is worth it. Holding on to God when you don't want to is worth it. There have been times that I've stood up here singing and I did not want to be up here. I'm just, you know, it's, it's just human nature. But I chose to hold on to God and mamas and daddies. But mamas, let those kids see you fight. Let them see you fight for the Lord. Let them see you be putting God first before anything else. And I haven't always done that. Trust me, I'm not, I'm not up here tuning my horn. There are times I've had to apologize to my kids. But 
if there's one thing, one thing in this whole world that I could tell somebody, it's to hold on to his hand. Because every time, no matter how bad it got, if I held on to his hand, you don't get bitter. Don't walk away from the Lord. You keep coming. You keep coming and you keep going. He will bring you through and it, it's always, it always works out for our good. And that's just the thing I want to say is, it, it's not always the miracle. It's not always that. Sometimes he takes you through things that we don't want to go through. But if you hold on to him, I promise you, he will always, always come through. And I'm grateful for that tonight. Good evening. <laughs> I'll be quick because I realize we've been sharing such amazing and touching testimonies. Normally I'm someone who's going to have a, a list of everything I want to talk about.